it's an awesome thing to be a dad, is it not? It's an awesome thing to be a parent. It's an awesome thing to be a dad. And, you know, I, I, this message is kind of, it's gone through some transition. At first it was going to be this way, and then the Lord kind of bobbed and weaved and took me this way. And uh, I was going to start off with this Will Smith video, which I'll show in just a second. But I wanted you to see kind of the picture. You see how proud I am of those kids? I wanted to start off. The Lord said, now you tell them that the pride that you see in my eyes for those kids, you magnify that to infinity how much I care for you. You tell them that today on Father's Day. So much so that imagine the cost of what I had to do to give my son. That's how much I love them. Tell them right off the bat how much I love them. Imagine, because I'll tell you, I've got four precious, beautiful gifts, and I wouldn't give up any one of them for you. But our Father in Heaven did for you, personally. That's a word for somebody here today, because some of you don't realize how personal your God is and how personal, how much He wants to have that personal relationship with you. It is the foundation of our ministry. It is why we do what we do, is to drive home this one point. God loves you personally. Say, He loves me. Now say, He loves me like you mean it. He loves me. He loves me. And that's a, that's a key thing. Because so many of us, you know, at times in our lives, we've, we've felt like, Father, where are you? I know my kids sometimes, they go, Daddy, where are you? They skin a knee. It hurts me more than it hurts them. Daddy, where are you? And so we get a picture of the Father on Father's Day. Now, we're, we're talking about a series called Words. And in this series called Words, we, we said last week, we said, what does God say about us? That was last week's message. And then today, I want to talk about what we say about us, what others say about us, and what we say about others. And then the final question that I want to ask you is, why do we say what we say? You get this? Why do we say what we say? Because it's not just what we say, it's the ich behind what we say. It's the, it's the power ugh, behind what we say. In fact, I got up here and I held up two pictures. I didn't have to say a thing and you got what I was feeling, right? It's internal. There's power in there. And so those are the key questions. Now, I want to set this up by showing that Will Smith video. And here's what I want to show you. It's a picture from the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. How many of you have seen that movie? Pretty good movie. And, and I want to set the scene. As you see this particular part, Will Smith is, he's talking to his son, and at this point, he's, he's practically homeless, but he's relentless in his pursuit of being a stockbroker. He wants to succeed. Now, everyone on the earth is telling him he can't do it, but I want you to see this picture. I think it's appropriate on Father's Day. Can we roll that video? Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know, you know, uh, you'll probably be about as good as I was. That's kind of the way it works, you know, and I, I, I was below average. You know, so, whoa. So you'll probably ultimately rank somewhere around there, you know, so I really, uh, you'll excel at a lot of things, just not this. I don't want you out here shooting this ball around all day and night, all right? All right. Okay? All right, go ahead.
Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? All right. You got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it. Period. I think that sums it up. And that's a message that many of us as children, some of you may not have heard a father, you may not have had a father or a mother who said those words, but you notice the course correction. You notice what he said at first. He said, it's not in your genes. What he saw, what we would call in the modern day vernacular, is how many understand if you tell a young boy or a young girl long enough that they're worthless, that they can never do it, that they'll never amount to anything, guess what happens to that kid when they grow up? They'll believe the lie. But if you tell your kid that they're special, that they're somebody, and that they can do anything that God created them to be, now what, what is that going to look like when they get older? And so many of us over the years have been hardwired, or I should say like software, we've had these viruses downloaded into us that says, you can't, you won't, you never will be. And it's an absolute lie. And here's the problem. I mean, when we, when we face these issues, it's reinforced by culture, it's reinforced by our enemy that says, you are cursed. And the words behind it, it reinforced that. And so what God is saying throughout this entire Bible, what he's saying in his word is that you're my beloved, you're my cherished, you have what it takes, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. Say, I'm royalty. Now say it like you mean it, I'm royalty. You got to get this, because you are, because he died. Think about this, the God of the universe died so that he could talk to you personally. That matters to him. You matter to him. Death and life, it says, are in the power of the tongue. Let me just throw some of these words. I guarantee it will spark some emotion. Has anyone ever called you a loser, a jerk, stupid, a nerd, a jock? Notice I didn't raise my hand. Idiot. And a host of other four-letter adjective cuss words that have both been distributed from my mouth and also to me. And anybody in here not ever said one of those four? I'm not going to give an example. We're in church. You guys know what I'm saying. It sparks emotion. In fact, I, you know, it's amazing, the research. 67% of all murders involve name calling. 67%. A 1990s University of Arizona research study said it like this. It said the study found that children from loving parents who often used positive words had less coronary artery disease, high blood pressure, they had less stomach ulcers, less alcoholism than those from parents who were consistently negative. The root problem they discovered was it was the words behind the problem. The words were the, the symptoms, but the root problem, there was something deeper. And it said it, and, and Jesus said it, and he said it over and over again, and he said it in Luke chapter 6. He says, out of where? Here. Here the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. Evil out of his heart brings forth evil. And so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now let's go to Luke 8, 4. Luke chapter 8, verse 4. 
Before I set this up, I want to I want to go back to that computer analogy. Let's say that when we were born, we were like a computer hardware. Here's this computer, everything runs smoothly, and then the software comes in. How many know how many have a Norton antivirus or something like that, okay? Well, what's that there for? It's to help deal with the viruses, correct? So as we go along, these little viruses, I notice my computer, I sometimes want to use a four-letter word. I won't do that. Oh, and my computer slows down. And so uh, these little viruses go in, and, and it takes forever, and you sit there. And how many know that patience is not my strong suit? I'm tapping at the microwave. You know, but you, you, these viruses come in, and it slows the machine down. Now, the machine still works. Are you guys getting this? So there's an antivirus out there, and it's called the Bible. So everything that's been downloaded into our software since we were a kid sometimes has to be dealt with. It has to have an antivirus. And that's why the research time and again says for every 40 positive words, it takes one negative word to torpedo those 40. Now look at how negative our culture is. Would you agree? We're reinforced constantly that we're less than, we can't do, and we never will be. And I'm here to tell you the good news is more, and I'm going to show this to you in Scripture, the good news is more than just getting by until the sweet by and by. You are more than a conqueror. If you come here long enough, I can't get through many sermons without saying that over and over again. And, you know, it almost gets to the point where, Lord, can I, do you want me to stop? And he says, no, 40 times to one negative. Tell them how much I love them. Tell them they're not, head, not the tail. God's word is the antivirus. Now, Luke 8, chapter 4. This is the parable of the farmer scattering seed. So we pick it up at uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 4, and it says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow. But the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had, had, when he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And the very, as we skip down to Luke chapter 8, verse 11, right, just a few uh, scriptures below, this is the meaning of the parable, the seed is God's word. How many of you know that Jesus is the word? Incarnate word. He is the word. In fact, John chapter 1 says Jesus is the word, right? It says that the word was with God and the word was God. So literally, when you're speaking God's word, you're speaking the world, you're speaking his word into existence. And if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what he spoke back then, wouldn't logic say it would work today? I mean, I'm no dummy i don't think on that one if i look back if jesus is the same yesterday today and forever and he did certain things back then is there any scripture that you find in your bible that says he stopped doing that today can anyone find that and so did we talk about antiviruses and viruses who benefits by downloading the lie that says that god doesn't do that today who says that who benefits it's the kingdom of darkness who benefits from that and it's an absolute lie you know, I don't like preaching sometimes on certain things like this because, well, Lord, what if I'm telling them all this and they don't receive it? And, and, and it was just like, they're not all going to receive it, Ryan. Your job is not to produce results. Your job is to preach my word. Oh, 
I'm telling you. But by the end of this service, some of you are going to have this revelation here because when it, it just came on me, and it was like, oh my gosh, I've seen this, but I've never seen this. I had eyes to see, but I didn't see. I was ears to hear, but didn't hear. This, this parable is incredible. God's word is a seed. I want you to file that away. Now, if God sows seed, how many understand the enemy sows seed? Like a virus. Discord. Jealousies. Contentions. Circling around your mind. Making you think weird stuff. Vain imaginations. But the problem is, is that when we're facing the thoughts of our enemy, that seed that's being sown into our brains, the problem is we don't have enough of this in us to combat the 40. Remember the 40 to the 1? You read 40 times in here that you're going to succeed, and that one negative comes in, you better go to the 41st time to get that victory. Are you saying, you understand what I'm saying? This is important. It's why I harp on it. We will reap and sow with what we say. But I also say this, your words are powerless unless it lines up with what the Word of God says. I can't just arbitrarily say something, and if God didn't say it, I don't have the power to back it, but if he said it, I can stand on it. And this is where I believe revelation will come today. Uh, here Jesus is talking specifically about God's word in this parable. So we're not in this parable, the one I've just read you, we're not talking about what the enemy's words are sowing. We're talking about God's word and what happens to people when they hear it. What happens when people hear it? Now, what we just learned is that there's three out of the four people that didn't understand. So here's what Jesus said in verse 12. He said, the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message from Pastor Ryan only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. So there's one group. Here's group number two, verse 13. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. Hooray! But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. Another, another translation puts trials in there as well. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. Verse 15, the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So here we have three out of four people that nothing's happening. Now, we're ta not talking about what the devil is sowing because Jesus talked in another parable about the wheat and the tares. You guys remember that one? They all grow up together. But in this case, I'm not talking about what the devil's sowing. I'm talking about what the devil's taking away, God's word. So we have a lot of things coming against us, so it's important to get in God's word and understand it. Now, that word saved, we go back and we put verse 12. Let's put verse 12 back up there. The word being saved, I want, the, I want, to, I want to camp on that for a second if we can. Verse 12, it says, prevented them from believing and being saved. This is group number one. The Greek word for that means sozo. Now, I looked up the Greek word on this, and it's comprehensive. And here's what it says. In the strongest concordance, it says to save, deliver, heal, make whole. How many understand we don't need to be made whole in heaven because we'll be in heaven? Let me say that again. How many understand we don't need to be made whole in heaven because we're going to be in heaven? So where do we need to be made whole? Here? So, so you're telling me that salvation then is here? It's right here. So if salvation's here, did, did the comprehensive text of that word say deliver and heal too? 
Let's go on to Luke 4. Luke 4, 18. I'm going to camp on this for a second. The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus is saying right here. You want to know what the gospel is? Here it is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. This is Jesus talking. The anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. Anybody in here have any of these symptoms? Had them? Delivered from them? Verse 19, to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the what? Free favors of God profusely abound. So Jesus preached God's word, the gospel. He tells us what the gospel is. He says the gospel is to the poor. Let's define what poor means here. And I'm not going to give you the super religious answer that I've heard for years and years and years, meaning, Pastor Ryan, it's a spiritual poor. Poor is poor. Poor is emotionally poor. Poor is physically poor. Poor is financially poor. Here's a revelation. Now let's go back to this. Let me go back. Luke 8. What's the meaning of sozo? Saved. Where do we need wholeness? Here. Okay, I'm going to get back in this side. If I'm poor, what does poor mean? Poor. Poor what? Everything. Thank you. I just tipped over eons of religious cows there. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right. Sets the captives free. Now, did I read my Bible? Does it say if you're a captive, you can be free? Isn't this just earth shattering? I mean, it's so simple. I feel like an idiot. <laughs> Causes the blind to see. Did I not say earlier that Jesus Christ was the same yesterday, today, and forever? So why would ministers get up here and say, Pastor Ryan, that is only a spiritual blindness. Remember, I'm the messenger. I'm not the results maker. Okay? I'm sorry, but I am not going to preach a gospel that marginalizes my Lord Jesus Christ in any way. If he physically healed people... 2,000 years ago, and it was a physical blindness that was dealt with, and they can see, seeing is seeing. I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen today just because every time I pray over someone, it doesn't happen. I'm not the results maker. I'm the deliverer of the message. And the message is good news, and the good news, if you are a slave, you can be what? If you are blind, you can what? And if you're oppressed, you can be delivered. That's good news. And the best news is, when we leave this earth, we get to go to the sweet by and by and be with our Lord. And that's a, that's a, that is a good news. And I'm just getting revved up. I'm just, I'm just getting revved up here. I had a lot of coffee. You know, in fact, <laughs> you know what's interesting? I mean, I feel so empowered. You know, last night, asked my wife, honestly, right? I'm like, <laughs> I mean, snot and just, you know, 
No, I'm serious. I'm not kidding you. And I'm saying, honey, I got to preach. I have no power. I have no power. I've got this message. I'm going to talk about healing and I'm going to go in there looking sick. They're all going to make fun of me. Right? Honestly. So I started pounding the water. I said a prayer. I said, Lord, you can't, I got to be healed. Man, I'm healed. Man, I, I have no symptoms whatsoever. I mean, just overnight. Now, here's the thing. We say, okay, we say, okay, all right, Ryan, that's, that's just a cold. But other stuff's a little more serious. True, but why do we put God in a box? You know, it's just, you want me to get your hopes up. I, 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 I can't not preach this. I'm not word faith, I'm faith in the word. Hello. Whatever that means. I'm tired of a little religious labels. If God said it, I believe it is done. Even if I don't see it right away. And many times, some of the people Jesus came into, they didn't see it right away. Are you getting understanding that this is all about revelation? It's personal revelation. Remember one time Jesus said, and he said to, it was the centurion. The centurion was a man of order. He was under authority. He had issues with his servant. And, 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 and basically Jesus said to him, you know, he's in trouble. And, and Jesus said, said, you know, what do you want? And he said, well, you're a man under authority and you just say the word and he'll be healed. He didn't lay hands on him and he was done. You realize today, just I don't have to lay hands on you. If you receive revelation about what the good news is, you can walk out today delivered, set free. Do we have any blind people physically in here? Believe for it. I'm not going to be afraid to not preach that or to preach that. I'm not the results maker. And you know what? I think pastors over the years, because we don't see the immediate results, you know, we get afraid, terrified. Can I tell you? I mean, I, I told our prayer group this week, I said, I said, I mean, some, this is the battle I face. Because I have to preach the good news, but what if not everyone gets healed? And here's the sad part, not all of them will. And that's, 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 that's the sad part. But the, the good news is, is that Jesus said the gospel is for everyone. It says in the Bible, he's no respecter of persons. Get that revelation, and you can have what the Bible says you can have. So if you are in financial need, the Bible says if this is lack, you have a right to be above it. I'm not going to tell you you're going to be this far above it or this close to it, but if you're in lack, you can have abundance over lack. Amen? Because the Bible says that he will meet all of your needs according to his riches. And many times Jesus said, give. So if you don't have anything to give, how can you do the gospel? So he's going to give you more. This is good news. Economy, what economy? Forget the oil prices. You know, I mean, the thing is, I don't, I just, I refuse to live in terror anymore. I won't. There's always going to be something, guys always going to be something coming at you something to camp on meditate on build a build a fence around and say this is it and then your words agree with your circumstances and you stay stuck remember we talked about the power of your words what does god say and this is where i i believe the lord showed me this week do you mind if i get just a hair long winded today i mean not too long but just all right just i mean this stuff is coming I got all that sickness out of me, and I'm ready. Let's fire away. Matthew 16, verse 13. This is key because we talked about revelation. 
personal revelation of the full nature of Jesus. Well, watch this. Peter is talking, actually the disciples, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And in verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And that is the question and the prism that each and of, each one of us has to look at the Lord through. Let me ask you a direct question. Who do you say Jesus is? He's my Savior on Sunday, but is he my Lord on Monday? Crickets? A lot of crickets. <laughs> We have cricket music back there. He's my savior on Sunday, but is he my Lord on Monday? He's my healer, but he's not my provider. Because I've seen him heal me, but he won't take care of my finances. Right? Wrong. Or he's my provider, but he's not my healer. Or he's my healer and he's my provider, but he's not my relationship restorer. Hello? I'm striking down some mindsets today. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? What is the gospel? The good news. Okay, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. We're going to say it again. If you are a slave, you can be what? If you are oppressed, you can be what? If you're blind, you can what? And if you're poor, you can be what? Is it just spiritual blessings? <laughs> I just love tipping over religious cows. Bam! Just kick that sucker. Of course, we're frying up a few cows out there afterwards, so. <laughs> Burn offering. <laughs> oh, my. My. God is good. <laughs> His grace is sufficient for me. Amen. But what we say is an extension of what we believe. Peter, who do you say that I am? Who? And a lot of them thought, okay, he's done these miracles. He's, he's, maybe he's Elijah. Do you understand that their comprehension of the Messiah was a little fuzzy back then, just like a lot of people's comprehension of the Messiah is a little fuzzy today? The full picture is Jesus Christ died for every aspect of your life. Every aspect. Every bit of it is under the cross if you give it to him. Every bit of it. Free favors. If we view Christ as a religious taskmaster, has anybody ever viewed him that way? I'm the only one raising their hand? I did. For years. God, and I say not, maybe not Christ, maybe God. I viewed God as this religion. I saw Jesus as the, as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of my world, but it was, okay, if I, if I obey the rules good enough, I'll come to church and maybe God will like me. Anybody ever have that thought before? Now we have some more hands, okay? And then, okay, and then if I slip up, then uh, I can't go back to church because then God won't like me anymore. Here's the reality. Christ died for sinners, and he's given you a new identity. If you're his, you've become a saint, <laughs> a saint a saint come on kibby you're 
<laughs> Come on now, you're telling me I'm a saint? I know what I do on Mondays, and there's areas where Jesus isn't Lord on Mondays, and I don't feel like a saint. Great, he died for that sin too. Now give it to him. He's your father, and he's conferred blessing on you, and you receive that because he is all-loving, all-knowing, and he knows exactly what you need every step of the way. We are no longer slaves to the law. I obey the law because Jesus gave me revelation of who my identity is, and it's out of who he is that helps me do the good works that he's prepared for me to do. I have no power to be good without him. We have to flip our paradigm. So many people view it the other way. If I earn God's favor good enough, if I, if I do the five steps to healing, if I say the prayer the right way, if I lay hands and I travel 5,000 miles for a specific preacher to hear him, maybe that will be the day and I'll be good enough and God will heal me. Here's the good news. Jesus Christ can meet you right where you're at today. I give the simple little thing about the sickness, but I'm telling you, this works in every area. Because think about it, and let's think about this logically. If it works in just this one area, oh, but cancer's too big, or, or you don't understand the financial stress, we can't do that, folks. He's either God or he isn't. And he is. How do I know that? Because I've seen him take an ex-alcoholic, drunken addict, addicted to everything under the sun, hating people. No way he would have been qualified to stand up here and preach to you Delivered, set free, mind cleared, understanding, uh, growing up, feeling rejection from his own father to now having a great relationship with my own personal heavenly father and also my earthly dad. My dad and I had a fractured relationship growing up. Some of you have had bad parental relationships. The good news is Jesus died for that too. Jesus makes all things new. You notice I'm bragging on Jesus a lot, and I joke about this because, you know, I often thought, well, Lord, what if I brag on you too much? You know, what if I get people's hopes up? What if I, you know, when I get to heaven, Ryan, you talked way too much about my willingness to heal. Way too much. Way overkill. Oh, and... and, and, and you know, I wanted them to stay poor the rest of their life so they can learn a lesson. The question is, God, what would that lesson be? He does not want you broke, folks. I want you to get that revelation. The gospel to the poor is comprehensive. It's emotional. It's financial. It's spiritual. It's all of it. It's physical. He died to make us rich. Galatians says he died because... He became a blessing. He became a curse for us so that we might receive the blessing of Abraham. That blessing is, a, is comprehensive. I think back to the power of positive thinking and talking about dads, and I'm going to wrap it up here. But, you know, I, I study. I, I, I was in sports for a long time covering it. I watched a lot of athletes over the years. And the one that I, I really studied, I watched, I've, I've, I've covered a lot of them, I've interviewed a lot of them, uh, I remember watching Tiger Woods and, and, and reading about him and reading about how his dad would put him on putting greens and yell and scream to mess him up. The idea when he was a kid was to put him through the mental rigor so that he would become mentally tough and he became what his dad coached him to be. I want to read you a quote, though. 
This was 1996. It was out of the Sports Illustrated's Man of the Year or something of that. Name. It was a 1996 article. Here's what Tiger Woods' dad, who has now since passed, this is what he said back then. He said, Tiger, and this is a direct quote, will do more than any other man in history to change the course of humanity. Because he has a larger forum than any of them. Because he's playing a sport that's international. Because he's qualified through his ethnicity to accomplish miracles. He's the bridge between the East and the West. There is no limit because he has the guidance. I don't know exactly what form this will take, but he is the chosen one. He'll have the power to impact nations, not people, nations. The world is just getting a taste of his power. Direct quote from his dad, 1996, Sports Illustrated. His dad worked with him relentlessly to become the world's greatest golfer, and he became one. But did you notice something missing in that quote? I don't hear about Jesus in that quote. We will reap what we sow. And if you sow Jesus into your kids, you will reap Jesus in your kids. How do I know? Because my parents, who were never perfect, never will be, loved me dearly through some really tough times, but they sowed Jesus Christ into me. And after all my prodigal years and bad living, I stand up here today, I've come around to give testimony to the power of God. And there's hope for Tiger Woods. He's chosen not because of what he does, if he chooses Jesus, he's chosen because of who he is. Tiger, I bet, if I could talk to him today, I would tell him this. You're not justified by what you do. You're justified if you, if you let your daddy tell you who you really are. Just accept him. I wonder, I wonder if people uh, have, who have been close to him, if, if he would allow that, because... The, no matter how mentally tough you are, no matter how good you are in business, how many understand if you've watched Tiger Woods' world lately, he needs Jesus? And it's not to judge him. I've been there, man. I understand. Not, not to that level, but I mean, I've been in the pig slop. He's in the pig slop. Pray for him. But my point is this. His dad was relentless in building and shaping him and telling him who he was going to be. And I think, boy, it's a, it's a crude picture. But imagine if we viewed Jesus and the Father in heaven saying that to you with that same tenacity that when you grow up in me, this is who you be. You will be the champion that I created you to be. Viruses that have to be dealt with. We hear one thing and we internalize it. I want you to bow your heads. Some of you have been told through a word curse years ago, listening, it could be people, could be someone. There was a lie that was put into you that says, you know, this is who you're always going to be. And you'll never measure up and you will never achieve what I've planned for you. Now, you've heard preachers talk about this. You've heard pastors talk about it. But today you got a revelation. You're like, all of a sudden, your circumstances you know are subject to change. Something changed in you. I want you to raise your hand if you got that word in your heart today. A lot of hands. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Well, there is power in the words and confessing God's word. And so what I want to do is I want you to think about that. And I want you, when you confess this, I want you to picture your Father in heaven 
giving you a big hug on Father's Day. I want you to picture him wrapping you up in his arms tightly, telling you three sweet little words, I love you. I want you to picture that. I want you to picture that. And I want you to hear what he's saying, that he wants to be your champion. And he'll take that situation and he'll turn it upside down for your good. Just repeat this prayer. Father in heaven, you are my daddy. I receive your love. Your grace is sufficient to empower me through any circumstance. And I boldly confess the goodness of Jesus has place in my life. What I was is over. It's a new day. I receive a new revelation that old is past and you make all things new. I'm a new creation today. And I boldly confess the promises in your Bible are yes and amen. And what that means to me is if I'm blind, I can see. I can see right now. I can see that thing blocking me is gone in Jesus' name. I'm no longer oppressed. I'm delivered. And I receive it right now in Jesus' name. I'm not a slave. I am free in Jesus' name. And in God's power, I consider it done. Amen.